Road to Shalom. This is a podcast channel devoted to understanding the way things are supposed to be, why they're not, and what it looks like when they actually are. I'm Fran Shaka, the director of a faith-based nonprofit called Hands of Her, and I'm also the host of this channel, The Road to Shalom. I'm so glad that you're here. You know, if you followed along in the first three programs of this channel, then you're already familiar with the questions we tried to answer about personal identity, purpose, and mission, or maybe put another way, who do I say that I am? What's the point? And what's my place? In the last episode, we looked at the enormous notion that what the Bible calls sin was actually much bigger than two naked people getting kicked out of a garden. It was the beginning of things not being the way they're supposed to be. Or put another way, it was the beginning of the loss of shalom. We discovered that time that this loss of shalom has extended to every relationship that exists between you and me, between us and everyone else, between us and nature, and us and God. The absence of shalom is the short explanation for sex trafficking, radical terrorism, racism, climate change, poverty, and all the other things that tell us every day that things are not the way they're supposed to be. You know, Shalom's absence is seen and felt by all of us, all around us, and even, if we're honest, within us. But we also learned that God has a plan to restore Shalom in all the places where it's been vandalized and stolen. And His primary vehicle is people like us, people actually like you. Today we're blessed to have a man I highly respect and deeply love, for whom the restoration of Shalom is a daily joy. His name is Dave Atkinson, and he spends every day facing and fixing the loss of shalom on the human body. Dave's an orthopedic surgeon, one of the best on the planet in my estimation. Welcome to the road to shalom, Dave. Thanks, Fran. Man, this is so much. I'm so excited about this. We've talked about this for a long time. I'll tell you what, just for the benefit of those that are listening, how about if you maybe give the Cliff Notes version of kind of your uh, past, particularly I think the things that brought you to the place we are in Birmingham. Sure, absolutely. It's really been a lot of fun. It's been, it's been a great road with a lot of twists and turns. I graduated from medical school in Mobile at, uh, from South Alabama. Uh, I took a Navy scholarship because I was too poor to afford uh, to go to medical school uh, on my family's uh, funds. So one day I got a letter from uh, the Navy saying, congratulations, you're going to Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, to Yeah, exactly, <laughs> to, to be, become a surgical intern. So I did. Uh, and we left Mobile, headed for Bethesda. Uh, I fully planned to be a cardiac surgeon. Wow. I mean, I really, I was going to be a heart surgeon and, you know, do all that, all that wonderful stuff. Uh, but as a surgical intern at Bethesda, I uh, had to do several rotations that had nothing to do with cardiac surgery. Uh, I remember one day I was in the primary care clinic and this gentleman came in. Uh, I'll never forget this. He came in, his wife was dying. Uh, she had a sore shoulder. And he said, Doc, he said, this is our last trip together. Oh, my gosh. Can you help her get through this, this, this trip? And so that we can go play golf together down in Florida, and so I did. And I, that was my first inkling that uh, maybe cardiac surgery wasn't necessarily where I needed to be. Uh, and then my next rotation was orthopedic surgery, at, which was a required rotation, and I absolutely fell in love with it. Mm. And I thought, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And uh, I had to eat a lot of crows. I told a good buddy of mine that his brain was too fine to waste on orthopedic surgery, so he's a <laughs> neurosurgeon at Mayo Clinic now. Uh, but uh, so anyway, I, I went off and spent a year with the Marines, which you have to do well, when you're in the Navy. You have to go spend some time with the fleet. And we came back to uh, Bethesda, and I trained there 
uh, as an orthopedic surgeon and then uh, ended up doing a fellowship in Utah. And then we moved on to the West Coast. And uh, I stayed there. We were in the San Francisco Bay Area uh, where most of our children were born. Uh, then I came back to Bethesda when the, that time was over, when the bases were all shut down. Uh, and I became the chairman uh, of the department at Bethesda, uh, which was an incredible experience. It, it was the, the, the healing pool at Bethesda from the Bible uh, is a real thing. Mm. It was this very special place. Uh, we were the last stop on the train. Uh, and if we couldn't fix people, then uh, they were stuck. And so it became this inc- incredible experience working with the warriors, uh, working with the wounded troops from all over the world, and uh, and also working with the leaders of the land. It was really kind of neat uh, that we got to work. You know, when one room would have a Supreme Court justice, the next one would have a Lance Corporal from Kansas. Uh, so it was a wonderful group of people to take care of. Very, very, very diverse, but they were all hurt. They all wanted to know your opinion. They all wanted to know what the truth was. Uh, so it was, a, it was a fabulous experience. And so then when I, I, I got to the end of my 20 years in, in the military and uh, I had to make a decision whether to stay or not. And my daughter came to me one day uh, when she was 12 and she said, Daddy, can't we just live close to Grandma for a change? Mm. And so I retired. And so we came to Birmingham. My parents are from Gunnersville, where my, parents, my father's passed away since. But uh, we're 70 miles away so we could be close to help coordinate their care and, and to take care of things. Uh, and so that's how we ended up here. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Gosh. So how many years have you been here in Birmingham? Now? I've been here just over 18 years, 18, 18. and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we got here about about five years before you guys then, mm-hmm. sounds like. Yeah. I know a thing our listeners probably need to know just as a background is that Dave and I have breakfast together almost every Friday. Mm-hmm. and uh, Highlight of the week. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we we uh, meet in urban Birmingham, and um, even there I've seen his I've seen his his touch on the server servers there we'll maybe get to that later in the show but um how did you i mean when as we talked i the, one of the things that stands out to me is that you as an orthopedic surgeon your life seems to have gotten funneled more and more and more to the shoulder yes and guess i didn't know the story about that first surgery you did but it's, it's that to me is almost significant that pivotal point in your life was fixing someone's shoulder it was isn't that something i mean yeah, you look it, at that's what you've given your life to now yeah in retrospect it's one of those hours that stands out yeah and always yeah. Will, will resonate inside your heart uh I, I think the bottom line is that i can fix i can help fix people's bodies yeah yeah you know, i can really help do something for somebody that's going to make their quality of life better uh i may not be able to fix it perfectly but i can sure make it better yeah most of the time, and, and uh, it's just wonderful experience to, to take another person who's hurting, who's disabled, and to make them better. Oh, yeah, wonderful. And you've had uh, some incredible success and stories about that. I know one of the things you told me um, that Thursdays at your office are like a big party. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So share, just, share, <laughs> share with the listeners what just why that is and what goes on at your office on Thursdays. It's just like a celebration. Uh, we, uh, the folks come in that, that are uh, post-operatively from the, the last 10 or 15 days. Everybody's laughing. Uh, it's happy. Uh, people's shoulders are moving. Uh, their pain is gone. And it's still pretty sore probably. The shoulders uh, is, a, is a pretty sore joint to, uh, to, to have fixed. But nonetheless, it, that, that there's a celebration that seems to go on uh, from 8 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's just a riot, and and uh, you know it's just laughing and people bringing cookies and do it's just it's just great. I mean, it, it is so much fun to go in there and do that. Every Thursday, I, I wake up with a sense of anticipation of uh, of the joy that's going to yeah. happen that day. Now, part of that is something that's probably we ought to bring out here is that 
part of that is because of uh, a, a particular procedure that you've developed mm -hmm. and uh, for doing total shoulders, replacing a total shoulder. And um, we've got a non-medical audience out here. So, right. But just in a nutshell, Dave, explain kind of what, it, what, it, what is actually it is that's going on when you do a total shoulder and particularly how is the method that you've developed different? Because I want to pursue that a little bit better uh, afterwards. Well, the first thing to, to understand about any joint is that only God makes articular cartilage. No matter what everybody else tells you with stem cells and all the other things, it's just you can't do it. Hmm. Not yet. But, uh, but nonetheless, so when the, the articular cartilage, that, that God's perfect sponge that lines your, all of your joints, when that wears out in the shoulder joint, uh, it, do it dominates your life. You can't lift your arm. You can't sleep. You can't do, hold your grandchildren. You, you can't do anything uh, because the shoulder uh, hurts 24 hours a day. So once you lost the articular cartilage, uh, then, then we do shoulder replacement. Uh, you know, after we try some conservative things like injections and therapy if we need to. But one of the problems is that uh, when you put a shoulder replacement in uh, the normal way, uh, you worry that, uh, that the approach is going to cause problems, and it does. Uh, a good friend of mine at Mayo The approach Clinic, is, that's, that's uh, how the, you actually go in? Right, the surgical okay. incision and, okay. and the way you get into the shoulder joint okay. can actually cause problems. You go in from the front, the front rotator cuff tendon has to be taken off uh, for you to be able to get into the shoulder joint to replace it, then you sew it back down. Well, it turns out a lot of those don't heal right. And if they don't heal right, then the shoulder's going to fail mm. by far around the world, the number one cause of total shoulders failing is to is that, that cuff ruptures. That, is, fail, you know, is the failure rate on that pretty high? It's pretty high. Yeah. It's as high as 50%. Really? Oh, yeah. Good grief. Scary. I mean, when yeah. the, the first time I saw that statistic, it made my hair stand on end. I, it, I, you're going, oh, my word, this, this, this is just wrong. Uh, so this is going to sound a little bit weird, but it sort of came to me in a dream uh, one night of, of a different way to do this. And so I went to the laboratory, uh, to Cadaver Laboratory, and I worked on a new technique. And what we do is I go in through a little small, uh, less than three inch incision over the top, and we go in between the rotator cuff tendon so we don't take it apart. We don't take it down. There's a little gap right there where the biceps tendon comes out, and you can do the whole operation through that small hole. And when you do that, you don't have to worry about the cuff rupturing later on, and people can take their arm and move it the next day. Are it's, you serious? I'm serious. It's, it's crazy, incredible. The, uh, so when you do this, you put it down, and, and I had, I've had one guy the next morning who had come from another town. He's moving his arm around the day after surgery. He said, I think I'm going to be fine, Doc. I said, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's, he's moving his arm better than he was before surgery. And I've had people come in with essentially normal motion by 15 days that haven't moved their shoulder in 10 years. Are you, oh, my God. It's crazy. It's, but, 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 but the thing is, uh, when you do it that way, you don't have to worry about the long-term consequences uh, of, uh, of of the, having the, the rotator cuff rupture. So, what kind of success rate are you seeing with this? Oh my word! It, it's it's uh, there's a what's called a SANE score, which is basically it's a simple test. You ask somebody, okay, how well, on a scale of zero to one hundred, how were you before surgery? The average is twenty five, thirty, something like that. The average total shoulder gets an improvement of, of about thirty points from that. We're getting over sixty. So, we, and we, I've got a lot of people who have come in and said, my shoulder's normal. I don't even think about it anymore, which is not total shoulder surgery yeah. reputation. Well, I know, I've seen video that he showed me of a guy that's, I mean, he looks like he's, I mean, he's just throwing his shoulder all over the place. And He, he is, and his yeah. wife says, make him stop. <laughs> I said, no, they're going to make him stop. He's, you know, uh, he can thread his belt uh, for the first time in, in seven years. And uh, this is 15 days after surgery. So, and how long does that, the procedure take? Yeah, about 45 minutes. 
Oh my goodness. Maybe an hour and a big guy. Okay, now you're not. I'm, we're not going to go down this road because. Sorry I, about that. Yeah. No, 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 no. That, what I'm about to say is that the thing that I know you don't want to go down this road, but I feel like I need to at least say it is that this this method that you developed is being picked up and is going to start being used uh, on a on a much broader scale. And there's orthopedic doctors that are buying into this and seeing it as a, just a tremendous transformation of of shoulder surgery. And I. I think the thing that you told me from the very beginning when you first told me about this, Dave, was the fact that you really believe God himself gave you this idea that it was it was almost a spiritual, I don't want to use the word revelation because it's not scripture, but it was inspiration. I completely give God all the credit for this. I mean, it came out of the blue. This is a non-obvious way to do the operation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, it is not obvious that you can do this. To say, okay, well, we're going to take the rotator interval, we're going to go through it, and we do the whole operation that way. Uh, but ever since I did my first one, I haven't done another one the old way. Yeah. Not a single one. Wow. Every last one I've thought, I would be doing the wrong thing if I didn't keep doing this. Even if it's harder for me, it, it can be painful for me on Monday, but Thursday celebrations are worth every yeah. bit of yeah. it. And I think that's where we kind of, we're kind of made a great circle around back. The thing that we started talking about was the celebrations on Thursday, and I think this is... This goes back to the very the heart of this channel and the thing that we're leading up to is that um, this idea of things being the way they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the comments that you made to me and have made to me repeatedly is is kind of how you see yourself in regard to shalom when you walk into a patient's room. And maybe spend a couple minutes just unpacking that. What, As I've gotten older, uh, I, I've rejected some of the teaching from medical school about not getting involved. You know, every person I walk into a room and, and to see and to talk to is an image bearer. You know, some people it's harder to see than others. Yeah. But we're all everybody's an image bearer. There's a hurt human being in front of me. That bears God's image. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and I I can do something to help them. God has helped me with so many of the things that He's given me, the tools, the techniques, all these things that we have now. Uh, but I can look somebody in the eye and say, I can help you. And and the the ability to take somebody's misery away from them is a wonderful gift. Mm. No matter what it takes from me on a Monday, the Holy Spirit fills it back up the next night. I mean, it's fine. It's that you wake up in the mor- next morning and you're ready to go again. It is just wonderful. Mm. It's just, it's an incredible thing. It's an incredible privilege to be a part of God's story. To say, okay, Dave, this is what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I feel like I'm doing exactly what I was designed you're made to do. For. Yeah, yeah, this is what I was yeah. made for. And so, so to me, uh, the ability to look, take somebody who's, no matter what kind of baggage there is to unpack, and to help them get better, to help them get back to where they want to be, it's, it's everything. And that's shalomic. That's shalom. Yeah. And you helped me understand that. Yeah, we've had that conversation. We have had that conversation. One of the most important things that people need to understand, I think, is that of all the teaching I got in medical school, the one that focused me the most was one day when you told me, David, you're an agent of shalom. And it completely changed my perspective mm. on the way I take care of people. Totally changed it, Fran. Wow. I mean, it was, yeah, it was great. And so. You, well, let me ask you this. Do you, I mean, do you feel like that's, is that not the way most doctors look at? Well, I shouldn't say most. I don't want to be a sweeping generalization, but. I, I think that the trend is not to be that way, uh, to be more clinical, to be uh-huh. more uh, calculating and, and uh, a little detached to some degree. But man, they're missing it. Yeah. You know, t- to be involved in my patients' lives and to be involved in their celebration is incredible. Yeah. It's, it's it is it's an it's a wonderful experience 
to uh, to to help another human being get well, and to say, okay, that's behind me now. Yeah. I can go do what I need to do. I can go raise cattle or whatever it is you want to do. Skydive. Had a guy, a big wave surfer. This is co- so cool. Big wave surfer from California moved to, uh, to Alabama. Uh, owns a lot of land in Costa Rica. And he said, I, I bought a paddleboard. I thought I, I was done. Replaced his shoulder. Saw him about three weeks ago. He's on his way to Costa Rica to surf the big waves. <laughs> I mean, he's so. I mean, you think about that. Yeah. This guy has has given up the thing that gave him the most pleasure in the world. Yeah, yeah. And so now he gets, gets to get, it back. He got his big board out. Yeah. He's had it. He told me he'd teach me to surf. Hope I don't die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't do your shoulder if anything yeah, goes wrong. <laughs> well, I've got a great partner who can fix my shoulder if I mess it up. Oh man. But I mean that that but that to me. Uh, is one of the, the greatest joys that there is. Yeah. When somebody can't do, I can't lift my grandchild. I can't take care of my ill mother. I can't do all these other things that I've been called to do because my shoulders. Back. Okay, let me ask you a heavy question. It's, it's kind of, it's kind, well, it's kind of theological, but it's also right at the heart of what we're talking about because it, it has kind of, you know, I've been on a few medical mission trips, and and I'm and I'm not making. I mean, I don't want to be painting with a big brush and a small canvas here and throwing anything under the bus, but the ones I was on, I felt like the medical component of it was a kind of a big show at the front end to get people in the back tent to kind of go through this Evangicube or the four spiritual laws or, and then at the end of the trip to be able to say that we shared the gospel with X number of people. And as I've been studying the scriptures myself, you and I have been talking and understanding God's burden to restore shalom with himself, for sure. That he, that, that, that Paul says we've been justified by faith. We have shalom with God. We have peace with God. And of course, that's the primary mission of Jesus. But then you also see him teaching and touching people all mm. the time. And so I'm wondering what your thoughts are about can you just by restoring shalom in the sense of helping someone's body function the way God made it to function, I see that as bona fide ministry. Even if you never get to talk to a person about your own personal faith in the Lord. I mean, ideally, maybe maybe it's more difficult in a professional setting. I know that. But, I mean, isn't it, isn't it doing the work of God to, to be healing people? I believe so. I mean, Jesus said, you know, when you do these great things, to do them so that God gets the glory. Mm-hmm. And so I always give God credit for it. I mean, I don't ask people about being, you know, their, their personal status, mm-hmm. but I do always say this was this came from God, and and uh, and that God has given us all these tools now to work with, uh, whether you're doing an arthroscopic rotator cuff repair or a total shoulder replacement. I always say these have all been gifts from God. When I talk to the families postoperatively, I go upstairs and, and sit down and I say, God has given us the best tools now we've ever had. Mm. We can do things we could never even conceive of 20 years ago. And, and especially with the shoulder replacement techniques, that this all, I see every bit of this as a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always want to make sure that I, people understand that that's the way I view it. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe at some point that that will awaken something. I mean, most of you are here in the Bible Belt where everybody yeah. at least gives some degree of uh, acknowledgement of that, whether it's lip service or whether it's real. But hopefully, at some point, it, it can sort of prick somebody's conscience to say, yeah. this, this is truly from God. Yeah. And, it, I mean, and I don't mean to say that I'm a gift from God. Because, no, no. But, but every, every gift that I've been given is, is a gift. 
and 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 to turn it's around. actually for other people, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. for other people, just yeah. like just like the Apostle Paul said. Mm-hmm. The Apostle Paul said, "You've been given this gift to help other people. Mm-hmm. Go do it." Mm-hmm. And that's exactly. I mean, I've got this really cool gift that God gave me to to turn around and help other people. Yeah. And to turn around, and then hopefully, then they will turn around and praise the Lord. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, I th- and I think if people are, if people somehow are pointed towards God, are re- and come to cl- see Him more clearly, see the Lord more clearly, I think that's 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 what's really on His heart, you know. And I think I just think what I, was, I guess what I was getting at is I feel like sometimes when you when you start thinking in terms of restoring shalom. Then all of a sudden, whatever that looks like, you know, if whether it's d- digging a well and providing clean water in mm-hmm. Nicaragua or whatever, that's the will of God. That's the desire of God. If we don't always have to have an, an evangelistic component on it. I think sometimes it's kept us from working side by side with people. I mean, there are unbelievers that are doing shalomic restoration. Sure. You know, and they don't know it and they might even deny it. But God's getting his work done. And I think sometimes, Dave, that I think Christians have a, a feeling that they can't really serve God vocationally just in their vocation. That somehow there's got to be this extra component that somehow it's got to, I got to do a Bible study. I got to share the gospel. And I'm, and I'm not throwing that under the bus. I'm not. I, 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 that's God wants us all to be thinking and moving in that direction. But fixing a shoulder making a human body to function the way it's supposed to be is the purpose of God it's the will of God it's what he's called you to do I just think some folks need to be encouraged to hear that we're all part of this shalomic restoration program now well every time I'm inside a shoulder it's an act of worship to to look and see what the Lord made Mm -hmm. it's incredible there's nothing Mm -hmm. in the universe like the human shoulder nothing nothing that even approaches it and the, and so to be a part of helping a joint work that works all the time mm-hmm. and, and is so critical to the way we live our lives is, uh, is, is just it's an amazingly wonderful thing. Uh, but, but I think the proper perspective is that I tell my patients, I'm not Jesus. You know, if I were, you would be healed already, and this would <laughs> yeah. be a done deal. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have your cartilage back, and you'd be yeah. perfect. But, but this is what he's given us to work with at this point in time. And, uh, and and it's an incredible honor to be a part of that. Yeah. To to, yeah. to be blessed by the Lord to be able to do this for people. It's just it's, it's like the I it's one of the I can't imagine telling somebody how wonderful it is to be part of it. Yeah. It's just I mean every well, I morning I wake up I'm ready to yeah, go out to work. Yeah, I mean that's the thing and I I, I I can say this without any hesitation, that's the most obvious thing about you that every, you literally feel called to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You, and you you get joy from it because you're doing what you were called to do, and that's where joy comes from. And you also see yourself cooperating with God, bringing wholeness into people's broken lives, you know, in a way that he's gifted and skilled you to do that no one else can do, or, or few people can do. You know, I'm a Bible teacher, that's what I do. I travel around, I teach the Bible, and so my contribution to the restoration of Shalom is different than yours. But we're, we are jointly cooperating with God to do the same thing. We're parts of the body, just like Paul yeah, said. Yeah. Had I not known that what I was doing was shalomic, I would, I wouldn't. It would have changed my perspective mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. things. But, but the fact that you you taught me that and you helped me understand that setting things the way they're supposed to be as well as I can is really kind of mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to be doing mm-hmm. every day. Yeah, and see that I think there's a as you're just as you're saying that Dave, something comes to me. I think it's 
maybe worth saying is that I think what's because you've told me this what's what happened to you isn't a change in your vocation it was a change in your perspective wasn't it so you you saw yourself differently which made what seeing what you do each day differently it made my calling more holy yeah there you go oh my gosh it really did it made my it I mean I've always thought this is a holy calling to be able to take care of another human being uh, it's always been holy, but but she really helped me see it for what it truly is, uh, and, and that it, that it is one of the highest callings mm-hmm. that it, for David Atkinson I, I could ever have could mm-hmm. imagine. I never imagined that I would be able to do what I get to do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's, it is, but truly, to, to, it's it's other stuff. It's it's, it's the other other of, of holy holy. I think to 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 say that God has given me this to, to help other human beings and to turn around and reflect it to Him. Mm-hmm. Not me. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want. I, I, I truly. I'm not looking for the credit. I'm looking to teach people how to do this, yeah. so that it it expands. Yeah. And that's what we're that's what yeah. we're doing now. We're yeah. bringing people in to learn it. But, but the the point being that is to make other human beings' lives better. Mm-hmm. Let's jump in on that real quick, and then we'll maybe pull this together. But I okay. I think it's worth highlighting that this is going to have some global implications yeah. too. I and mean, you're involved in an orthopedic surgical and training center in Suzhou, China. Correct. And um, you and I have talked about that too. It just that some of the burden you have about transforming the Chinese perspective on patient care. Yeah. Well, there's nothing like the the, the human touch. That's the first thing uh, that I, a lot of people that I talk to, uh, first, second, third opinions came in and say. The other doctor told me this, and I said, "Well, what did the exam show?" They say, "Well, it never touched me." You go, "Oh, shame on them." Yeah. But the, the human touch is is, is so much a part of the healing experience. To say that I can feel your crunch, I can feel the pop and catch, I can feel your shoulder instability. That is a very intimate thing to be able to do and a very privileged thing to be able to do to touch another human being's wounded joint uh-huh. and, and to say, okay, I, I feel... You're uh, actually touching their pain, aren't you? You're touching their pain. Yeah. Hopefully not causing more. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. sometimes I even do that, not on purpose. Uh, but, but, to, but again, I think one of the things that we can help the Chinese doctors with is to say, look, touch your patients. Is that not real common there? They're so busy. Yeah, they they, they yeah. got so many people. They have plenty of doctors, but they don't have a, a tremendous number of, of uh, shoulder surgeons. But the the point being, those guys are just drinking out of a fire hose over there. You know, one point six billion people uh, in a system that that is it really uh, it, it does a magnificent job of taking care of people as well as they can. But 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 to, to truly gain a, a good perspective on what it is that you're trying to do, you really have to feel the shoulder. And so we hope to change that perspective for them mm. to say, look, slow down, take a few extra minutes, feel somebody's shoulder joint, listen to what they're telling you. Uh, there's an old saying that if you just keep your mouth shut, they'll tell you what's wrong with them. <laughs> and, and the shoulder, yeah. which is true. Yeah. It's so true. But nonetheless, to, to change that hurry, 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 to sometimes the best way to go fast is to go slow. Mm. And, and that's to take your time and make your best decisions, and then you, you document that, and then you can move up to the next person as you need to. That, I think, is one of the best things that we can do to change folks. Uh, we're teaching them new techniques. Uh, they, they really are so busy with trauma and all the other big issues over there that, that they're really excited and thrilled to have us over there to teach them the advanced arthroscopic and, and not arthroplasty techniques. That's a real privilege. I love the wow. Chinese people. So you're gonna, you know, that's to me is a cool part is that you're going to be training them to be shalomic. Um, yes. You know. Yeah. Whether they understand that. Or exactly. Or not. Whether they get yeah. it or not. Yeah. And I think you know, and I, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's clicheish at all to say you know you go through the Gospels and Jesus touches a lot of people. 
I mean, he's touching people all the time. The lepers. He's, tu- yeah. he's touching people that nobody wanted to touch. Exactly. I don't think that I've done an exam of somebody or indicated to them for surgery without doing a thorough exam. Yeah. Just to feel you know, what, where they hurt. Yeah. And it's, yeah. that's a big part of it, Fran. Well, yeah, I think that's a, there's a bond and an intimacy that's created between a physician, I think, and a patient when there's, when there's touch going on. I get excited thinking about you over there training up the next generation of, of orthopedic surgeons in China. And I know they're going to start coming here now, too, doing fellowships here. Yes. And rotating through some key surgical training centers in America. So two things, and we can close here, but I want to just reaffirm and encourage you about the fact that you're doing what God called you to do for a couple reasons. One is that it's how he's gifted you. And number two, you're doing exactly the same things that Jesus did when he was around people. You know, he, he saw brokenness, particularly physical brokenness, and he did something about it. Um, and you're doing that. And I think for the people that are listening, as we kind of bring this to a close, I just want to encourage you as well to understand this, is that God's plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in heaven and earth in Christ involves a restoration of things being the way they're supposed to be. You know, the last book of the Bible ends with this city coming down, and the name of the city is Jerusalem. Yes. You know, a vision of peace. And I think uh, for us to see ourselves as agents of shalomic restoration, there isn't a day that can go by where each of us can't be a part of that in some capacity. I could not agree more. That, that you know? No matter what you do, you have a chance to restore peace to somebody, yeah. to, to usher it in. And, and these droplets, like a, like a rainstorm, these droplets of shalom all around us change things. Mm-hmm. It changes people's perspective. It changes the way they view other human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it changes so many, so many things. If we would just do it as Christians, to understand that our job is ambassadors yeah. for God, but also... That as ambassadors, that we have his authority, and we are agents of shalom. Yeah. and it changes yeah. changes your perspective on the way to live. Yeah, it's and, wonderful, and also I think gives gives credibility to the gospel that we preach. If Christians are paying attention; they've got to realize that we've lost our our place at the table. You know, the world's yeah. not taking us seriously anymore, and I think part of it is because we've relegated ourselves to just sharing PowerPoint slide version of this gospel as opposed to touching people and interacting with people and, and, and being part of the, the release of pain and sorrow and brokenness in their lives. You, you fix someone like you do, um, they talk about you, they pay attention to what you say. And I think for, as a believer, when we get involved with people's life with a vision of restoring shalom, emotional shalom, financial shalom, relational shalom, uh, physical shalom, spiritual shalom, I think they start to pay attention. Well, Dave, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule. This has has been great, and uh, we'll have breakfast on Friday. Absolutely. Sounds good. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. Okay, brother. I sure hope that there was some truth that grabbed you as you listened to Dave Dave share. And I gotta I gotta say this at the end, now that you've got this in the rearview mirror. You know, this isn't just an interview with a guy that happens to be a world-class orthopedic surgeon. That wasn't the point. The point was for me to help you step into the life of a person who looks differently at what he gets up to do every day. Dave sees himself as the as an agent of God. He sees himself as part of the body of Christ, that his unique giftings and and passions are given to him by God for the exact same purpose. 
You know, there's a, a verse in Matthew 5:16 that says, "Blessed are the peacemakers, or blessed are the shalom makers, for they shall be called sons of God." And this was the only one of what we call the Beatitudes, the Blesseds in Matthew 5, that that makes a connection between being part of God's family. And then uh, the one person put it this way: that restoring shalom is God's family business, and that you and I are all in that business. So whatever you do tomorrow, today. Uh, I want you to start thinking of yourself as an agent of shalomic restoration. The person at the convenience store where you get your gas, uh, the person in the checkout line at the at the grocery store, uh, the the person in the cubicle next to you or the house next to you, or even in the pew next to you at church. God wants you and I daily to see ourselves as restoring shalom wherever it's needed, and that's the beauty. And first and foremost, I want to reiterate this. First and foremost, our calling is to restore shalom between people and God, but we also are called to restore shalom between people and ourselves, people and other people, and even, believe it or not, between us and the rest of God's creation. So, thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for letting my, me bring Dave into your into your world, and I pray that as a result of this little bit of time that we had together, that you'll look differently. At what you do every single day. See you next time.